0: Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Blackhawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people he's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in.
1: Well, welcome back to the Next Steps podcast. My name is Chris Kopp. I'm one of the pastors here and with me as always is Pastor
2: Tiffany Malloy. Tiffany, how's it going today? Hey, good. Good, Chris. Um, I'm feeling quite refreshed yeah. this week. Um, we I just came off of a little two-day retreat, which was mm. so fun and relaxing. I a couple times a year I try to pull away from everything for just yeah, for two, two overnights um uh, at this little retreat places for free for pastors up north and just sit in silence for 48 hours it's beautiful
1: so like no kids no kids yeah kids aren't even
2: allowed so I couldn't even bring them because they all definitely want to go with me they asked like sorry no kids it's part of the rules was it Um, like
1: oh my gosh it is so quiet right now it's so fantastic
2: when you sit down you just get in there you just like I sit for the first hour just like sit quietly and you can bring your own food and you make your own food and nobody asks you if they can have some too. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm feeling pretty good.
1: Nice. Yeah. Well good for you. Yeah, that sounds sounds great. Uh, Today is the final episode in a mini mini series we've been doing called Walking with God over the past several weeks. So uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about seasons of life that we might walk through. And as we wrap up the series, we want to focus on one of them in particular today. So over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to dig into what faith might look like in the second half of life and what it could mean to finish the journey Of faith well. Um, Now, both Tiff and I have enough self-awareness to know that we're we're not quite there yet, right? We can't speak too authoritatively about what it looks like to finish well and some of that kind of stuff. Maybe we're entering into some second half of life kinds of things in some ways, uh, but we wanted to bring someone in that's been on this journey with Christ for much longer than we have. Uh, So today we're grateful to have Pastor Chris Dolson on the podcast. Chris, how are things going today? It's a Monday morning. How uh, how was
0: your weekend? It's Good. Yeah. All good. All good. I'm here with you guys enjoying the time. All right. Yeah. I've awesome. got the job everybody wants. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, it's always a great conversation whenever Chris joins us. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, and while most of us uh, listening probably know this. Some some won't. So Chris was a senior pastor here for 27 years, right? Right. Um, before he stepped down from that role in the summer of 2021 and handed off the reins to Pastor Matt Metzger. Um, and Chris, you took about six months away, and you're back as a pastor emeritus, and continue to be part of the teaching team. You're teaching a bunch of classes and doing a lot of other ministry, both inside and outside the walls of Blackhawk Church. So. Uh, maybe just to begin with, Chris, we had you and your wife, Becky, on the podcast around the time you were transitioning out of the senior pastor role, uh, but it's been a while since we've checked in. So how has life been as you stepped into this new role over the last year or so? How things have been going for for you and, and for Becky?
0: Yeah, thanks for including Sunshine in that too, because she's really the rock that brings stability in our life and things like that. And it's very important to the board, the elder board, how the transition would work for her too. And I would say if you had her on the podcast, she would say, I love my new husband a lot (laughs) (laughs) and more than the old guy. Uh, (laughs) She has 2.0
2: version now. She has 2.0 version. Yeah.
0: um, It's a hard job. And I was a senior pastor in Shreveport Bible Church for 10 years and then did the job here for 27. And, And it's a hard job. And we just are really enjoying uh, our time, we took six months off completely. Uh, I think the confusion to many people is that we retired. And so that means, to a lot of people, it means golf ball in Florida and stuff like yeah. that. And so we didn't retire. We we have another job. So I work for Matt now, and um, I have this really reduced role. Basically, I only do what I want to do, and I don't do what I don't want to do.
2: <laughs> that's the, the job dream.
0: everybody wants. Mm-hmm. It's really... Uh, it nice. So that's been... Uh, really, really great. So I I guess nothing is more predictable in life uh, than change. Change uh, comes to us sometimes voluntarily. We make a change, and then involuntary sometimes things happen. So this was a voluntary change that we made. Uh, when to step down uh, and how and all that. All of that was the results of lots and lots of meetings over many uh, many years, mm. and so it is rewarding to feel that it's going uh, well because it was all planned out. If you know anything about Blackhawk, we maybe <laughs> overthink things uh, too much. but this was a planned change. And uh, I guess you'd have to ask Matt, the real answer is really not how I'm doing or sunshine, but mm. how does Matt and how does Rachel how do they feel about the change? That's the real uh, issue because in the way we've set it up here, The senior pastor has a lot of authority, and if it's not working for him, then it's not working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been a part of uh,
1: a couple other churches where there have been changes in the senior pastor role, and nothing against those other churches, but it's just been, um, from the inside, from a staff perspective, just so good and so smooth. I've so appreciated even just your posture and things of being Open-handed. I think churches run into a lot of trouble when the senior leader steps down, but they weren't really ready to step down, mm-hmm. and they're still kind of controlling things behind the scenes and um, and pretty tight-fisted with things. But you've been so open-handed um, with with what's happening here at Blockhawk, and it's just felt like a really healthy transition. So I'm sure it's been hard in, in ways. Maybe we'll we'll get into in a, a little bit for you personally. But yeah, really grateful for how that's how that's gone. Um, so Chris, you're doing a lot of the same or some of the same things around here in the different, uh, contexts that you're teaching in and, and that kind of thing, but there's things that are different about your role too. Um, so are there ways that even your approach to ministry has maybe shifted, um, as you've been working in this new role, different things that you're like focused on or different priorities for you, anything like that that comes to mind? Yeah,
0: absolutely. 100%. This gets to the, what you were talking about, uh, identity is a big issue for people in their lives. And for people who have been in charge, um, the identity of being in charge is a big part of it, whether you're leading a company or no matter what you're doing. So I have always been in charge. I was a senior pastor in this little church in Louisiana when I was 28. And then I just shifted from that role 600 days ago or whatever. So it is a challenge to not be in charge anymore, and I'm not going to say that it's not a challenge Mm -hmm. uh, because there's all kinds of things that, you know, it's just like, it's kind of like that saying, you know, well, where's the head of the table? Wherever I'm sitting, that's the head of the (laughs) table. So it is, that is, that's been the thing. And that's a heady thing for either a man or a woman who's been leading something for a long time. And I feel like really... um, yeah, it's interesting. So if you're not in charge anymore, uh, that's something you have to get used to. So it is something you have to get used to. Yeah. So here at Blackhawk, I don't know, just to remind people, we have actually a, a metal detector. So that's the person. So if I am meddling, then <laughs> and because I poured so much time into Matt and he feels like I'm like a, a big mentor, like a father to him, if he wouldn't have the courage to tell me, so we actually have someone on staff who who will get in my face and say, Hey, that thing you did in that meeting meeting, don't do that, or something like that. And that's happened. Okay. That is that has <laughs> happened. I was gonna ask. Yeah. I'm glad you no, that. That has happened. And so that's really good. We built that in. So it's triangulation and that usually is poison in an organization. But uh, the board and, and I we built that into the process because we were concerned. Matt is such a friendly guy and such a kind guy, and my relationship with him is so close, we were concerned that he might not have, may not say to me, hey, dude, <laughs> yeah. that wasn't helpful. So you've got, we built that in, so that's that's good. Yeah. yeah, I can only imagine how much the identity
1: piece has, yeah, played into that transition. I appreciate that you went there. Because uh, we all hold those things, right, whether it's that we're parents or our jobs that we put um our identity in and some of i mean some of it's healthy some of that is natural you do something for a long time and of course your identity um, is gonna be wrapped up in that in in some ways um even my dad just recently retired from being the fire chief of a a fire department and uh he's talking about how he like he reaches for his pager he thinks it's going off off when it's when it's not he doesn't have it anymore he's not on the on the fire department, but it was something that was wrapped up in his identity for thirty seven years and so there's just these little little things that um in this season you're kind of um yeah, maybe feeling like are being torn away from you and, and getting stripped down to what your true identity is again, or um, finding that in other places and yes. other, other sources. But I'm yeah. sure that's been an interesting
0: season yeah, for you to kind right. of strip some of that and, away. And that is my, I think my true identity is not as someone who's got to run a big thing. Yeah. Really, I'm my passion, my, my life's passion is preaching mm. and helping other people preach, not really running a big deal. So, like, I had an executive pastor years ago named Greg Bergman, and, you know, Greg had this ability to lead and stuff like that, and I just started pushing things off onto his plate. (laughs) And then Nancy Lindroth came after Greg and with Greg, and so I was really happy when she was running things and leading things. So I really don't think, you know, being in charge is, like, my number one passion. Mm. My number one passion is the Bible, and communicating it well effectively and helping other people learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think, so that's cool. So that I'm still doing that now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, I think that actually leads us well into the topic for today. I think we've already even started talking about it, right? So as we're, as we're approaching midline and, and and living this kind of second half of life, I feel like, right, there's so many things about the first half of life. Um, we're, we're, Building some things, and we're building our identity, and we're figuring ourselves out, and then something happens in the second part. So, um, so Chris, wondering, you know, as we've talked a few weeks abo- ago, um, we talked about different seasons of life, you know, how we might face those as we walk with God for a lifetime. So, as you've navigated the second part of life, um, what is that? What does your faith look like? How is it different today than it was maybe in your 20s and 30s? Um, are there different questions that you're asking? Um, Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Great question. So when you're older and you look back, you see things um, maybe from a different perspective. Um, For example, I think the shortest distance between two points in your life is often a zigzag. And you don't see that really when you're younger. Mm. Because as you're thinking ahead when you're younger about what school I'm going to go, maybe uh, am I going to have a a spouse, uh, are we going to have kids, you see things linearly, like a direct line. And when something happens to block your plan, you don't see that necessarily as a good thing. You see that as a hard thing. Uh, Like the reason I got into ministry was because uh, our daughter, who was born in Dallas, Texas, had deflated lungs, and um, she. we had to take care of her at home, and that forced me out of a Ph.D. program, and that forced me into, what am I going to do now? I, we saw that as not a good thing, because our goal was to teach in a seminary someplace, and all of a sudden, I guess I could do that pastor thing. <laughs> So that was a zigzag. I didn't plan that. And so as you look back at my life, I look back at my life, my life is a series of zigzags. But in, in the process, it's easy to talk about it now, and we can laugh about it. But in the process, it's a pain. Mm-hmm. And you think, what in the world is God up to here? didn't he get the message you yeah, know? know we laid this out yeah. on a on our whiteboard he's not seeing that and so whatever the wall is in your 20s and 30s it just seems like <laughs> and it causes big stress in your relationship with god in terms of your faith and your walk with others it stresses you out and stuff like that so i'm I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but when you're younger, it feels like you're plowing a field full of boulders and you're pushing hard against the plow. At this stage of life, I feel like I'm on a tractor, (laughs) you know, and I look back and I go, oh, yeah, we had to go around that stump, but there you go. And some stumps you go, we got to move that stump. And other stumps you go, yeah, I'm going to plow around that. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what? Hey, that actually took me into a completely different field. And wow. This is good, so you don't see, i didn't you know i didn't see that when I was younger
2: yeah this' mm.
0: good when you think about
1: um, even what it looks like to grow older and to mature in christ um, again what are what are differences in um Kind of where you're at now compared to maybe your twenties or thirties, are there things about following Jesus as we get older that you think ought to be cha- ought to change or become a greater focus in our lives um, that's a big question, right? What yeah. does it look like to mature in Jesus as you get older but um, maybe you can even just speak about your own experience and how that's shifted over the last yeah, so years.
0: when we look at the pages of the New Testament and we read about what Jesus was doing when he was walking around. We really miss the fact that he was walking around with people. <laughs> like a, You know, these guys are like living together and he had people that were supporting him. So he was in relationships like constantly. Sometimes I think it would just help our Christian life if we got rid of the cars mm. and actually just had to walk to work with the people we work with, <laughs> you know, like you know where he walked everywhere and he was always walking with other people so the relationships that are you know we maybe they they might seem invisible they're always they always show up when there's a dialogue between him and the others but what do you happen what happened before that dialogue and that dialogue is only just because you know mark or john or peter or somebody they're they're thinking hey let's re- you know remember this hmm. but so I, I would say, you know, relationships, relationships, relationships. That's the most, the most important thing. Harvard uh, just came out with a study. It's, they've been doing this study since 1938, and it, someone just texted it to me. They started in 1938 with 724 people, and uh, these were people from all over the world. And the number one challenge that people faced in retirement— was not being able to replace the social connections that had sustained them for so long at their work world. Mm. In other words, people don't miss work. They miss people that they worked Mm. with. It's just the relationships that are so important. And so I feel like, I think um, if I was to do my life again, I would laugh more, I would fish more with more people, and I would just do more things with people. Mm. Now, the fortunate thing about my job right now is that I haven't really experienced what a lot of people face in my season of life, because I'm still with you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm here. Matt's had me come back. I have a little office. I still, my assistants, still Ashley. And so I really haven't experienced what many people experience, uh, so that the pain of not being able to be around the people that you mm. care to be with and stuff like that. Mm. Some people, like I mentioned, Greg and Nancy, they're not working here anymore and stuff. I miss them. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I would say push hard on the accelerator of building relationships. It's all over Jesus' life. We just don't pay attention to it that much. Mm.
2: That's good. That's good. Yeah, and I think even another part of that question of, like, you know, you mentor people maybe in their twenties and their thirties, and you know, as you think about them and what you hope for them when they're in their forties and fifties and sixties, like, what would you say were are markers of of that they that they are growing in maturity, um, especially in their faith? Like, what would you hope and want for them? as they're um, walking with Jesus over time? I mean, I because I remember like in my twenties, I always used to think maturity looked like maybe, I mean, honestly, probably some amount of success. I mean, I think that was kind of wrapped up in, of vocational success or whatever that might be, relational success, um, hitting certain milestones, if you will. But, um, right, but maybe as we get older, we realize that, oh, that's not actually the mark of maturity.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if this answers the question or not. But, you know, as you go through um, periods in, in your life as a mother or Chris is a father, you're going to experience difficulties that are just normal with your children as they grow and go through different stages, which will be frustrating to you. And I think part of my role as someone who, you know, has grandchildren and grown children is to just listen to people, help them, help them have a place where they can, you know, go, what in the world? You know, there's no easy answers. Relationships are complex. And to watch people go through the various stages of life that you go through. Mm-hmm. Many people are, that are a generation, in my generation, are a little bit behind me, are losing their parents now. My wife and I lost all four of our parents within, like, uh, I don't know, 20 years. So that's very diffi- it's a very difficult challenge to go through. As your mom and dad age and they maybe are not making the best decisions about what's best for them. That's very frustrating for people that are in their 50s and 60s and they're watching their 80-year-old parents struggle. Um, So at any rate, it's just a matter... Life is a series of stages. And to provide a place in which people don't feel like they're sinning if they're frustrated with their parents or frustrated with their kids, Mm. it's just a matter of helping people kind of walk through that. You know, spiritual... Uh, formation is a journey. It's not uh, check, 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 check. You know, it's a real, it's a process. It's zigzag, you know, kind of a thing. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could just say, too, one of the things that is part of my world now is really the focus now, not when I was younger, but now is mentoring and passing on and seeing well, seeing people like you. I know, I remember, Tiffany, when you were hired, what job you were hired for. And Chris, I remember when he was an intern. And I don't think <laughs> I knew you much as a college student because I was kind of the distant uh, guy. But I mean, now you're back here and your family. And just to watch you guys uh, develop, to watch Lynn Beanick preach. You know, I just like, you know, totally. Matt and Charles. Forget those guys, you know. (laughs) I mean, I poured stuff into them years ago. They're great, fine, whatever. They're going to be fantastic. It wouldn't affect them if I disappeared. But to see Lynn preach now and to watch her and go through challenges and that she's going through and get better, that's just really, I just really. So somebody says, who's my favorite preacher of Blackhawk? It's not Charles <laughs> and Matt, you know. It's like Lyd and people like you guys, you know. Yeah. When Chris yeah. is preaching, yeah. I'm yeah. seeing him yeah. develop. So those are yeah. really powerful things. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a huge thing. Of right, I think we spend so much the first half of our lives building. Right, like I said, building our lives, developing our skills, figuring out how God made us. And I think there's a lot of energy for like we have a lot of energy for that. And then, but as we approach, you know, I mean, I'm guessing right because those are the things I'm struggling with the. Inte- Inside is like, okay, when do I start letting some of this go? You know, when do I start um, passing off some of these opportunities into the, you know, to the next generation? These these twenty somethings that are coming through, man, they're incredibly gifted. Like, um, you know, how am I pouring into to them? Um, but that's the question I'm I'm only really just now maybe really taking seriously. Um, but I can imagine, right, as, as even as you're going into your forties and fifties and sixties that those, I'm I'm sure those questions become more prominent and, Mm -hmm. um, but even seeing how some people, right, have really struggled with that in their forties and fifties and sixties, right. The, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I can't imagine that, right. I'm not there, but getting to that part of life and figuring out, okay, can I let this all go? And am I still okay? And, um, what does that mean for my identity? Um.
0: Yeah. One tip occurs to me that I didn't do, and that is to journal. Mm. And when you're journaling consistently in your 30s and 40s, that's going to help you when you're my age. Now Mm. I don't remember things very well. (laughs) And uh, it would really help you as you mentor other people. Mm. And just to remember how frustrated Mm. you were. Mm. The the killer for people then in their sixties and seventies, and they look back to somebody who is in their thirties and forties, is to act like it wasn't a big deal back Mm. then. Mm. But when you journal, you can see how how much how hard uh, life is, and um, I think people my age need to remember that Mm. it was hard. It was hard. Life's, life's hard, hard. Life's hard. No, sorry. it's difficult
2: all ages and stages are hard <laughs> yeah that's
0: right. right there's a different series yeah. of difficulties that I'm dealing with yeah. now than I was dealing with in my 30s and 40s mm-hmm. but it's a, it's just a series of struggles
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Are there um, challenges in your faith right now that might be unique to growing older or things that you wrestle with more now than you used to? Um, Anything come to mind along those lines?
0: Yeah, growing older is hard. Um, You begin to have aches and pains that you didn't realize. You know, you just... (laughs) You move through them earlier, (laughs) and now you can get aches and pains, and then that can actually be something very serious. You know, like my good friend Steve Rogers, and his back was hurting uh, for a long time, and he's just an athlete. He's run like 100 marathons, and he just kind of figured he'd work through it, and then he learns it's pancreatic cancer. Mm. So. Um, it's, you know, there there is something about aging, aches and pains, and that kind of a thing. And you lose friends and loved ones. Your parents uh, pass on if they haven't already. So all those things, uh, you start to figure out that. Then there are others, uh, for some of us, uh, you know, who don't come from wealth or didn't inherit something, you know, it's, you got to guess about, have we saved enough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's always a guessing game. I mean, if you have some kind of a lifelong pension or inheritance, it's not a big deal. But for those of us who don't, yeah. have we saved it? So there's the whole Matthew six passage about you know is you know is really the Lord my Lord or is. Am I serving Mammon? You know, I preached that passage. I got thirty messages on that. Bed, <laughs> you know, but it's like, is it really happening in your life? That kind mm-hmm. of a thing. So, are you living out what you've preached and mm-hmm. taught for years?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, I think you have, um, over time, you've talked about even just some of the places. Um, I think, I think you've said. Oh, I struggle off and on in life with doubt. I think you've said that before. Was that, absolutely, that yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so even can you talk? Like, do you would you say that that's a question that you continue? It's like a, it's, a, it's like a lifelong question. Versus, does that feel differently than it did? Maybe now than it did in your twenties and thirties. Yes. Or or, or, or are there big questions that you didn't that you're wrestling with now about who God is that you didn't.
0: No, honestly, didn't touch yeah. in the 20s. No, the that's answer. good. Yeah. If you guys ever do a yeah. series on doubt, I mean, I'm good for 12, 12 parts of the podcast. And then it frustrates me with believers in doubt because doubt is a part of our. It's built in, so it's the whole idea. Faith is based on there's no when the Lord returns and we're gonna. There's no faith then. It's faith becomes sight. That's what the text says. Mm. So now we see, uh, but through a mere darkly, that kind of a thing. But then face to face. So it's like, so doubt is built into the whole Mm -hmm. walk of, it's a part of it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, there's no faith. If doubt's not a part of it, there's no faith. Mm -hmm. If faith pleases God. So if there's certainty, then there's no, we don't live in a certain kind of thing. So the the whole walk is not. A certain walk. So I doubt all the time. Sometimes I still, I, I guess when I was in my 20s and 30s, I probably, and I was a pastor, I i maybe sometimes doubted the whole thing, God's existence and everything, more than I doubt now. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm banking on finishing now. You know? <laughs> uh, but at any rate, I, I still uh, go through difficulties, though, when I feel like maybe I'm not maybe the existence of God as much as I used to, but why God would allow this to happen or the deep struggles of seeing people that you love go through really difficult mm-hmm. things like what is going on? Yeah. So doubt is is an important part of our journey. I yeah. wish people would not. Anyway, it, it just, it's a zigzag again. Yeah. You hit the wall and you go, oh my gosh, if there was a God, this wouldn't. Well, read the Bible. <laughs> all these people that we read about, they all experienced zigzaggy lives and struggled with God, and that's why we have the Psalms and all that. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see how some people maybe struggle
1: more in this season of life. I, I've talked to some of them recently, older people in my life who just suffered a really hard loss of a loved one as we are starting to experience more at this age. As you just said, you're losing your friends. Um, which maybe you didn't experience before. And all of a sudden it's like, why is this happening? And they're legitimately asking those really big questions of maybe not doubting God's existence, but like, how can you possibly be good if this just happened to my brother or my sister or my friend? And when you're experiencing so much of that, yeah, I could see how... um, yeah the doubt doesn't go away. if anything, no. like life is getting harder and you're yeah. wrestling with even more of that kind of stuff. Yes,
0: absolutely. That, I would say that's more about disappointment maybe than doubt. It's mm-hmm. a disappointment mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. Again, it's the zigzag. I thought life was going to be this way and it's not. And then actually what you said earlier, uh, Tiffany, this the whole idea of sitting alone with God or just sitting alone and then we have so much garbage that comes through our Heads Mm -hmm. all the time with things that we're looking at, scrolling through. And, but, you know, I don't know, I'm just old fashioned. Meditating, memorizing God's Word, looking up at night at the stars. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just does something to me. Mm -hmm. And then I have a relationship with God. I have the Holy Spirit is real. So if I'm doing things where I can't hear Him, I need the onus is not on God. He's trying to speak to me. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day into day they pour forth speech. Night into night, see. And, but their speech is not heard. So He's speaking now. Just go look up, and then. But you know I can't look up because I'm watching this show or this is streaming. Yeah, give me a break. So that <laughs> yeah. it's onus is on us.
2: Mm.
0: Are we listening?
2: Mm. Mm. So good.
0: Well, as
1: we head toward the end here, um, in Scripture, in Second Timothy four, the Apostle Paul he talks about this idea or he uses this language of finishing the race as he nears the end of his life um and God willing Chris you've got a lot more time left ministry in ministry and life so i'm not trying to suggest otherwise um Yeah thanks for saying that yeah. <laughs> I mean Jesus was 120 guy. when he died or something <laughs> yeah, like that you know so yeah uh, yeah no, but I even appreciate your humility and having this conversation of, yeah, second half of life stuff and, and finishing well. But, yeah, mm-hmm. God willing, uh, there's a lot left um, for you and for Becky. Um, but all that to say, I'm sure that as you're th- kind of realizing the the stage of life that you're in, I know that this is stuff that you're thinking about. You preached on it a couple months ago, right, as you kind of head toward um, the end of your life and, and what it looks like to, to finish well. Um, so as you think about that, about finish the race well, what are, what are some of the things on your mind or the priorities or hopes that you have in order to, to finish your walk with Jesus well?
0: Yeah, I'd say that a goal of my life, priority number one would be, you know, that when I uh, am dead, that I'm loved and respected by the people who knew me and, and loved me the most. Mm-hmm. It's not by the crowd It's by the people who actually know me, that kind of thing. So, you know, my wife, what's her feelings about me when, you know, my ashes are spread on the ground and, uh, you know, my daughter and son-in-law and my two grandchildren and my son, people who know me better than you guys do, do they love me and do they respect me and stuff like that? So that's kind of, and then another goal I would have for my life is uh, kind of, un, it's unstated. Maybe I'm stating this for the first time. I'd really like to take my grandson and granddaughter to the Quetico and fish with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if... if you know, get to a point where maybe where their mom and dad don't control their life anymore because <laughs> I don't think her mom would let me, let yeah. me take them right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to do uh, that. And then, you know, uh, my wife and I love to travel, and there's states that we've not been in. And, you know, if we could do that together, we just really bond uh, well when we uh, travel and stuff like that. She's such an important part of my life. You know, I don't know. We Most likely we won't die at the same time. You you die at different times, and uh, and that's part of the problem with seeing your friends, and loved ones die. Because someone, if they're married, someone's left. So you know, my goal is to maybe go first. That's such idea. Deal with the yeah. pieces after that. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are there even?
1: Um, I don't know if this question will make sense, but do those goals or hopes affect even, like, the day-to-day of how you engage with your faith or with your relationships or your family? Obviously, not the fishing one. Like, that's not a day-to-day sort of thing. But, um, yeah, as you think about, like, man, I'm in this the second half. I don't... We're not going to take for granted how much time we have left. Right. Has has that impacted your relationship with Becky at all or or,
0: or with your children? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just sit down and just think concretely, how many Thanksgivings do I really feel like I have? Yeah. Mm -hmm to go, you know, in terms of we're trying to gather and stuff like that. How many Christmases really are there left? You know, I don't know, there are 20, but 20 20 is a small number. Or maybe there's 10, maybe it's five. So that really does make you think uh, differently. And uh, so, yeah, you just get real about, really? You know, that kind of thing. So I feel like, um, yeah, you think, you know, you just start to think differently. So because I'm not running a big thing anymore, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Let's mm. sit on the couch, watch yeah. this crazy television show, yeah. or go for a drive, or have lunch, or do dinner, that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I'm not in charge. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone pray for Matt Metzger that oh, he would so have good. a long and flourishing life. Yeah. Amen.
2: So good.
1: Tiff, any final comments, questions? Yeah.
2: Or I mean, maybe I would just say, like, obviously, thank you to you, Chris, and even and, and even for like what you represent in the way that, um, you know, I think about just different people around here, you know, people like the Carmen Boyds and, you know, all of them, right, who um, have done so much in the way of carrying our church in a variety of ways, right, shaping our community, who we are as Blackhawk Church, right? Mm. You and Greg and Nancy you have, your fingerprints are everywhere, and there's Carmen Boyd, who used to, you know, lead community groups and different things, um, just so thankful for the ways that for many of you, you yeah. haven't exited in the way, right, that you're not in Florida, <laughs> that you're not, that you still are caring and pouring in in a really different way, um, right? I mean, thinking about even the way that, you know, Carmen takes me on walks every six weeks or so, right, six to eight weeks and, right, still pouring into me, Um and caring for me in such a generous, generous way. And I know for so many people thinking about even like the Gail Andersons, right, who is just pouring herself into Blackhawk Bible study and, and, and so, so many, I mean, I could just continue naming people, um, just so thankful that we are part of a multi-generational mm-hmm. church uh, who both lead, you know, no, no matter where you're at, you're leading, you're giving ministry away, you're looking to the next generation. Um so just super grateful. Thank you for that. And
0: just to add so that was the DNA that was here when those people you just named came. Mm-hmm. We didn't start that DNA. Like George Brader, this building that we're in right now is on Brader Way. He always had that attitude. So the founders of the church really inculcated that into the DNA. George never felt like he owned the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And you've got to not feel that way. It's not yeah. your church. It belongs to Jesus. And all of this is happening because of his grace. And if God is so pleased, he'll continue to use uh, the ministry of Blackhawk Church and the people here. If not, then he won't. Mm-hmm. So it is really because of his mercy and grace yeah. that things take place.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: so good. Well, just as a younger person who's grown up in this church, it's such a gift
1: to have people like you and the Steve Rogers of the worlds and the Carmen Boyds and all those people. Um, we We need and we so uh benefit from from having uh people around that have gone through all these different seasons of life who one aren't just uh being tight fisted about things but are actually releasing uh ministry and and different opportunities to be able to do things and to move things. Um, but they're also not just bailing. Like they're here to support and love and, and care for us. A lot of people probably don't know this, but pretty much anytime someone preaches for the first time, you mentioned Lynn several times earlier, myself is in this co- category. Anyone that, that comes to Blackhawk, um, even if they preached a bunch of messages, they work with you and, um, on their first, I don't, I don't know, two to three messages to, to kind of uh, get, get coaching from you. And it's so helpful. I mean, I went through, through seminary and, um, preaching coaching there and and preached a bunch of messages at previous churches but then learning things from you sitting down one-on-one in the room um gosh i like we can't get that from just reading a book or from that so to have people like you around who are investing in us and caring for us in that way is just so so
0: so good and so helpful really very kind thanks a lot but it's my passion and pleasure
1: Well, um, I think this is the end of our series, right? This is the end. So hopefully it's been good. If you missed some of the previous episodes, you can go back and check those out. Um, But hopefully it's been helpful as we dig into spiritual formation and growth and what all of that can look like as we partner with God in our lives. Um, And this will probably release uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's uh, maybe mid-April or so. Um, And in a couple months, starting in June, we're actually going to be doing a teaching series through much of the summer that goes into uh, this topic of spiritual growth and spiritual practices um, that we're really excited about to continue to dig into a lot of these different kinds of things. So if this has been helpful for you, um, yeah, definitely be sure to, to check out those messages. Join us for worship on a Sunday um, here at one of our sites or, or online. We're really excited about that series and, and what it could look like for all of us to grow, not just individually, but as we often talk about collectively as a church and as the body of Christ. So um, so some fun things coming up. Tiffany, any last words?
2: No, I think this is great. I mean, this has been a fun series, Chris. So thanks for um, delving into this with me and uh, all of you who are listening. I think, you know, so many we've heard from several of you just how helpful this has been. And um, I think this is a conversation that many in our congregation want to continue to have. So um, so feel free to email if you have questions um, and talk to your community, people in your community group about this, you know, listen to this series together. And and hopefully this has given you opportunity to talk about your own journey and how you're walking with God and what the challenges, the speed bumps that you've experienced, different seasons, you're your leaving and, and you're approaching um, and hopefully this just helps us to have some ways to have a conversation together as a, as a church community yeah.
1: so Chris thanks so much for, for joining us today yeah thanks for having me really yeah. appreciate it always a, a great conversation um, so that's it we'll uh, leave you guys with that we'll uh, see you soon